Good evening, and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Rittmaster, and with me tonight to record Diz Dads Podcast Plus episode 44, our final episode of the calendar year 2020, are my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. (laughs) And Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. Well, Tim. That's impressive. Y'all are really lucky that I didn't sing to you. All I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, You're very lucky I didn't sing to you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So uh, in just a minute, we're going to give you guys our kind of Disney year in review of 2020. Um, Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. We did find, you know, things to talk about that are not all, um, well, Double plus ungood stuff, right? We found good stuff too. Um, but before we get into that discussion, we need to give a shout out again to our faithful podcast sponsors. Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel are both authorized Disney vacation planners. And if hearing about all of these things that happened over the last year are making you wistful for a uh, you know return to Disney vacation with your family, hey, Check them out. You can go to their websites, uh, mousemastertravel.com or wickedmousetravel.com, and they would love to help make sure that you get the best possible family vacation experience. Um, okay, guys, uh, I, I, I stumble over it. I laugh about it, but a, a year in review from a year like this is a little challenging. Um, we're just going to kind of go through month by month and, and kind of hit the highlights and um, it'll be kind of obvious. There are going to be chunks of this year where, you know, the highlights may come from places that are other than what we might look for them. But um, as the year started, things were looking pretty good in, in Disney news. Um, I mean, we know that there was yet another Walt Disney world marathon, um, but, but there was plenty of other newsworthy stuff that was happening in the world of Disney in January, 2020, right? Oh yeah. I, I, I went on a cruise. <laughs> I was going to say, you were, you were cruising. Well, that's my, Tim, that's my Tim went on a cruise. We relaunched, right? We came back and after a, a pretty extended hiatus, Willie and Tim came on board and, and, you know, got me back into the habit of regularly producing new podcast content. So that was a good thing on my end. Um, you know, January 17th, Disneyland finally caught up with Walt Disney world and opened their, uh, version of rise of the resistance, um, experienced they got their turn to experience the heartache of the rise of the resistance boarding pass. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, there's, oh, there's always a challenge when a ride opens up for the first time. Right. I mean, it's, if it's not, uh, the, 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 the queue thing, it's a mechanical thing. If it's not a mechanical thing. It's something else. Right. 
Yeah. Well, and, and Rise is, as we've said, you know, the most technically complex attraction Disney has ever opened. Uh, I don't even know that anything else comes close. I totally agree. It's it's such a fascinating ride when it's working, but it's also a fascinating wait when it's not working. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> choice of words. <laughs> well, I mean, I saw, you know, there's days that it doesn't open till four in the afternoon, you know? And that's just because it's such a cool ride, but when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. Right. I mean, we talked about this and, and it's, it's, I hate to talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil it for people who who haven't had the chance yet. But, um, you know, when you, when you go on Rise of the Resistance, it's essentially several different ride experiences. And the problem is those all have to synchronize for the ride to operate correctly. And all it takes is any one of those systems to throw a fault of some kind. And it appears that in order to get it all synced up again, they've got to reboot the entire system, which can literally take hours. Um, And I I don't know for sure about Disneyland, but I know at Walt Disney World at one point, they had um, an important part that had to be replaced. And what I hear is that it was a completely custom made part. So it wasn't like they could just go to the hardware store and pick one up. It had to be custom machined. So that must've taken like 10 or 12 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Hey Jim, go make it. Yeah. I can't imagine they wouldn't have two or three of those just stand by because they are custom. You would think, but apparently not. I'm thinking more like 20 or 30, but. Right. You know, well, and maybe they learned their lesson, right? Maybe so they've special. had, maybe they had multiple replacements made at the time, but, but that's the story that I hear that, that one of those major downtime elements came from the need to, to replace a part that was literally a custom part. Yeah, um, wasn't learned. Yeah. Uh, anything else of, of note in January? There were like, some, yeah, go, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, there were some releases on um, Disney Plus. Uh, Aladdin was released. Um, the the Lion King, the 2019 version was released. Right, right. So we got both of those live action films uh, became part of the Disney Plus lineup. High School Musicals, um, what is it called? Extra Credit or something like that was released. Yeah, like uh, that. At this point, I've totally lost track of where we are with High School Musical because, yeah. I mean, I, to their credit, you know, Disney's f- having fun playing with it too because. I think the the title of the most recent thing they rolled out was like high school musical, the television show, the behind the scenes. I mean, it's, you know, they've got these never ending names now, but. Well, I think it's such an easy show to produce and it's just basically free money that. (laughs) Pretty much at this point. It's not a bad show. I mean, I've watched multiple episodes and I'm like, this is pretty good. Well, and, and Disney plus will become an ever bigger story as we go through the year 2020 um you know one of the bits of fallout from the the downsides that we'll get to in the parks and resorts category uh you know in a lot of ways disney plus uh picked up the slack um now when it comes to to parks um you know there wasn't a whole lot else in in january uh, we did have, you know, Walt Disney World had another successful um, Festival of the Arts that kicked off in in January, and and it really looks like it's 
becoming a, a permanent fixture at, at Epcot that um, it's it's joined the Pantheon, right? It's it's going to be a regular occurrence coming in that January February time, just before we roll over to Flower and Garden. Flower and Garden, and then yeah, later on the the Food and Wine Festival. It's they're they're going to wind up having year round festivals. Well, right, and and, and, and they've been. They've been working towards that for a while now. And, and I think that the key here is what, what I like about what's happened with Festival of the Arts is that it's got enough of its own unique character that it, it doesn't just feel like they changed the names on the sign, right? There's, there's enough. I totally agree with that. Yeah. 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 Me too. You it's know, the fun other, too. The other thing that I can think of in January um, – and this is kind of when the whole COVID was getting ramped up. Uh, that's when Shanghai and Hong Kong uh, decided to shut down was in January. Too, right. So. so that's that's kind of foreshadowing, so, right? Yeah. The, the <laughs> Shanghai and, and Hong Kong closed down. And, and even if the rest of the the sort of stateside Disney public wasn't paying much attention to it, uh, we certainly were. So we roll on into to February and we start to see, you know, Impact from January already, right? Um, the big impact, for example, at Walt Disney World is that now that we're in February and we've had a few months uh, or a couple of months of Rise of the Resistance up and running, uh, the FastPass Plus for Smuggler's Run was added and we got our first FastPass Plus attraction in Galaxy's Edge. Yes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I it's was okay. reading about something. And yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, it it was cool to finally be able to to do. What was it? You get Slinky Dog, uh, Smuggler's Run, or is it now Mickey and Minnie's Runway Railway, which isn't open at that time? But right, it wasn't there yet. So right. it was. It was right. pretty much. It was those two um, that that were the the tier one. Right, you you picked yeah. one or the other. And what a what a wild opening to Smuggler's Run! I mean, just that the the queue and all the interesting things that they did with it, with um, the audio animatronics and the the games that you can play along the line there too. Really good stuff. Yeah, and and you know there was um, challenges towards the end of the month, um, and I, I think you know some of it was the the I don't know creeping. COVID starting to, to, you know, be uh, uh, noticeable or, or start to be on the radar. But, um, you know, we're right on the cusp of the big opening of Minnie and Minnie, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Not, not there yet in February, but we can see it's coming. Um, we did get some um, announcements at that point about um, they gave us a name for the new hotel, right, that was coming – to become sort of this immersive Star Wars experience. Um, so we got the announcement that that uh, the, it was going to be called Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, and we even got a name for the Star Cruiser. They were going to call it the Halcyon. I'm not sure why they need another name for it on top of Galactic Star Cruiser, but I guess it's a little yeah. bit like, you know, Galaxy's Edge, which is the town in Galaxy's Edge's Black Spire Outpost, right? So the hotel is Galactic Star Cruiser, and the name of the Star Cruiser itself is the Halcyon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it was also one of the, uh, you know, I, I guess tragicomical is, is the word for it. Uh, cause it was, it was right at the end of February that, um, we had a real life mishap on, uh, Jungle Cruise. <laughs> right. I think a lot of us will remember that one forever. Oh my gosh. They managed Big to Bertha. sink a boat. How do you sink a boat that rides on a track? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know, but they managed they did a to good do job it. of it too. Yeah. yeah they did. Really good job. Uh, all right. Well, the, the truly impressive thing to me is that they sank a boat on Jungle Cruise, and they barely had di- they barely had downtime. I mean, you know, they got it out, they got whatever the issue was taken care of, and they got Jungle Cruise back up and running. They didn't even have what you would normally think of as a, a refurb window. You know, right, dealing with the aftermath. Right. We have another thing that happened in February. What else happened in Bob, February? A lot of things. Bob Iger stepped down. Yes, he did. Ah, uh, that's right. So this was the big announcement. It, it we, we all knew it had been coming. It, it had almost come at least two or three times before. Um, but finally, in in February, Bob Iger said, "I've had enough. I've done everything I can." <laughs> and little did he know what kind of show he was going to turn up. Oh, <laughs> I think he knew exactly what he was doing. This <laughs> was so not going to happen on his watch. Um, oh, and now, boy. But now, he still the, came back to help fix the problem. Well, and that I was just going to say, the interesting thing about it is that, that – you know, two things here, really. One is that, that he didn't completely walk away. I mean, he did, but he also agreed very quickly to stay on as a sort of, um, you know, creative consultant, um, specifically. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of what's going on there is, you know, a realization that he just dumped what was about to become the biggest logistical nightmare that any Disney executive had had to deal with probably since the original opening of Walt Disney world. And, and, you know, there was just, there's only, no matter how good a CEO is, your brain only has so much bandwidth, right? I mean, at a certain point you're just on overload. And I think it was a realization that if, if a new CEO was going to have to be spending their time dealing with those operational issues, then the company would become stagnant if you didn't have another set of eyes, another voice, kind of keeping the creative juices flowing. Well, there's one other thing that happened that I kind of likened to my own experience in my decision to become a travel professional um, the Regal Eagle opened in Epcot in February, just in time to turn around and shut down. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's another good one. Well, I mean, it's interesting. So Regal Eagle opened, and it was really soft opened in February, right? It wasn't even the official opening yet. But at the tail end of right. February, they they did open and, and start serving. Um, and, uh, you know, to interesting reviews, I think, would be the way to put it. Um, you know, reactions were decidedly mixed. But um, it was nice to see new food in in uh, American Adventure. That that was absolutely the case. 
That was like I, a I, home run no matter what, because anything there was better than what was there. Right. Exactly. That's like what I was going to say. I would never eat what what was there, but I probably would try Regal Eagle just to see. Even if it's only once, I would try it once. Sure. Um, all right. Well, let's let's move on to March. I mean, I I, I keep I feel like we're we're like afraid to get there, right? Because um, <laughs> we are. We know it's coming. Well, I mean, yeah. the the beginning of March, it, it really got rolling on on such a hopeful note at Disney, right? I mean, one of the first things that happened in early March is that we started getting um, you know more information leaking out about uh, uh, the new um, Avengers. Um, I got to remember what they're calling this thing in Disneyland campus. Yes. The Avengers campus. We, you know, March beginning of March, we, we got finally some concrete detail about Avengers campus coming to, to Disneyland and uh, the idea that, you know, some, some more information that it was, it was going to open in the summer, what they were targeting. Um, So that, you know, that was a good thing. Um, We had the soft opening of Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway. That's right. I was just about to mention that one. Yep. And it was an instant hit. Um, oh, yeah. You know, long lines and people were willing to wait in them. Right through videos on YouTube. I mean, the, yeah. whole, the whole nine yards. So, you know, we looked like we were getting, in in some ways, you know, Mickey and Minnie's at Hollywood Studios had the effect that they'd hoped Seven Dwarfs Mine Train would have at Magic Kingdom and maybe didn't quite have. Um, it's been incredibly popular, but not not anything like what we've been seeing. It's not four and five hour popular. Right. Exactly. It, it's right. not and Mickey that's and what Minnie's. March was. And, and, you know, people not just waiting, you know, two hours to ride, but waiting two hours to ride and then getting in line to ride again. Which you don't do with seven doors mine train. No, right? no, but there are, you know, there are plenty of things coming up that will fit that bill. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so that that's going on. Um, what else was happening there at the beginning of March before uh, everything started going the other direction? Well, the people were traveling. March, well, that's true too. <laughs> but no, but at the beginning of March, um, Onward came out in the theaters, and it was only a short time before they went. Oh, we probably should uh, try something different. So it was the following month in April when they put it out on on Disney Plus because. How would they know? Right. What well, was so going to happen? We'll, we'll talk about that a little more in, in as we get to the transition there. But um, you know, on, onward got about a week in the theaters, um, and at that point, theaters were already starting to close. Um, and you know, I don't think they ever reached the kind of screen penetration that they expected to. So you know, given the fact that it had actually opened on a few theaters, uh, you know, Disney went ahead and and released it now you know interestingly for free right they just put it in not free but you pay your regular disney plus subscription like there was no extra cost right it was loaded into your subscription right um now meanwhile as we were saying you know news was coming down that was saying that that this this viral outbreak was bigger than we you know that anybody had anticipated that Measures to slow it down were going to need to be more significant. You all heard us talk about those contemporaneously. We don't need to dig into it too much. Um, but the part for our purposes it's important is that, you know, it, it, it started to impact travel and it, it wasn't a little bit at a time. Oh, it no, was it, fast. Yeah. 
it was fast. The cancellations, I mean, just trying to get through uh, uh, the Disney travel agent's phone line, uh, how many hours were you sitting on hold just trying to get through to, Six, to get, seven. get clients some help? Yeah, that's crazy. To you, then you be almost, told, sorry, yeah. there's nothing we can do right now because they didn't know either. It was complete. Right. Right. No one had been through this. Well, and and so the initial announcement um, was, and and uh, you know, I think uh, Willie, you said you had some dates handy. So, do you remember what the original uh, date was? I want to say it was somewhere around uh, March eighth or tenth, somewhere around there. March eighth, they or ninth or eighth, they made an announcement. Okay. And they said everything will be closed by the thirteenth, I believe. Right. So they said that we're going to give you a few days, but. Everything will be closed by the thirteenth, and at the time, the though they they didn't say you know when the the when they would reopen. It was it was an indefinite closure from the beginning. They at least implied that they were initially looking at this being a um, you know two to four week closure, right? That this would be something that would get us you know, at the outside, right, that they'd be looking at, at opening up again by the end of, of April. Um, little did they know. Yeah, little did they know. And the cruise line canceled as of March 14th, all cruises. Right, March 12th, I'm sorry, I'm correct. March 12th, they announced that they were closing, and the 15th was the last day the parks were open. Okay. Six, so, six. you got three days to get in and get out, but you could stay at the resort, for your stay, you just couldn't go into the parks. Right, right. And, and you know, that was just – they gave people a few days basically to juggle the travel plans um, because that's – you know, we were all going crazy getting everybody's uh, travel plans updated, getting flights changed because the airlines were canceling flights right and left. Um, it, it was the craziest – couple of weeks I have ever experienced in a decade of working in the travel industry. Um, just, you know, unlike anything else, really. Um, I mean, people talk about it being somewhat similar to, to post 9-11, but I mean, you know, for those who, who kind of experienced that, yeah, it was sudden. It was a big deal. You know, people were panicky and people were a little bit slow to get back to traveling afterwards. But the actual shutdown was only about 48 hours. And, you know, even though not a lot of people were traveling, it was possible to travel. Right. This was another ball game. And, right. you know, it wasn't just Disney that you waited hours on hold for because it was Disney to take care of your hotel. But then it was the airline to get that changed and the, you know, the insurance company to figure out how that would fit in. and. I mean, it, it was, I, I don't have words for it. I've, like I said, never experienced anything like it. Well, I have words for it. Um, <laughs> but we can't say them on the show. <laughs> okay, let me tone it down a little bit. Those people that uh, had a travel travel professional were so happy they did because <laughs> the ones that got their stuff at Costco were up the creek without the proverbial paddle, shall we say. That's an understatement. Yeah. I mean, they, people were just putting holds on their credit cards. They were declining things just because it was so much easier than waiting on hold for days and weeks. And there's still people probably still trying to get their money back on certain trips. 
Oh, and it's not just Disney. I mean, look, right. it's all travel. Yeah, right. And and anywhere in the world, you know, I I have clients who were supposed to leave in the middle of March. They were was their well, middle of March was their final payment. They were supposed to travel in October, but um, they they had a, a cruise booked with with Crystal, a luxury cruise that they paid in full like a week before all this stuff canceled back in March. They're still waiting for a, you know, five-figure refund. Wow. And that's real money. Yeah. Like it's not is. like that, – that's got a comma in it. Right. Like <laughs> – Yeah. A couple of numbers before that comma. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, I mean – and and – Look, Crystal is, is finally getting back on track. They're they're getting those refunds processed, but um, there are a lot of travel uh, companies out there that that you know already haven't made it through, and there are some that that still might not. Um, some of which are, are pretty big names, and there were folks who you know it's a little bit farther down the road, but um, you know folks who booked resorts through the, one of the hot up up and coming you know online bargain you know, resources, you know, bookit.com. Well, you know, book it, it, it they'd been basically, uh, booked you know, it out of there. Well, they booked it. yeah. I mean, they, they'd been arbitraging the revenue, right? They'd been holding it and making some interest before paying the, the destinations. And when all these cancellations hit and they were locked into non-cancelable contracts with the hotels, um, you know, they went out of business and they told people, well, we're going out of business and um, we're not paying the hotels. So if you go on your vacations, your That'll your work. room won't have been paid for. Ouch. Now, the reason I mention it is that, that at least a few folks are getting some of their money back because uh, the states that have seller of travel laws are protecting their folks. And uh, there was a, a settlement with, uh, I believe it was the state of California. So folks from California who booked with book that are going to finally get at least a part of their money back. Um, but you know, I mean, this, this is, this is why we've been telling people for years <laughs> that, uh, you know, you're not paying extra working with an agent and not working with an agent is, is fine. It's dandy until it's not. And when it's exactly. not, that discount is so great until you have to make all the calls for the next Right. Three weeks for your ten to fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Good and, luck. Until it gets ugly. Um and I mean I had another one of those experiences today where where a guest, you know, might very well have lost out on, on a deposit that they'd made on their cruise, but I was able to reach out to a uh you know, an inside sales contact who could take care of it for me and, you know, make sure that we were able to move things for him without it costing a penalty. It's the kind of thing you can't do on your own. Um, but anyway, you don't have anyone to talk to. Well, right. I mean, that's just it. Right. You just have representative. You're, you're playing representative. We, zero. We, we do it sometimes too, right? It's, it's customer service roulette, but it's yeah. one thing to do that when you can get in right away. It's another when every time is a two hour wait to play, play roulette and see whether you hit the jackpot. Right. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, Suffice to say that all that was starting to happen. All that was starting to hit the fan in in March, and um, you know the, the the result was this ripple effect on Disney parks, on Disney Cruise Line, on uh, Disney Plus, 
on Disney film releases. Um, all of these things were affected. Um, so, um, you know, for the most part, I'll give Walt Disney World a lot of credit. Right up front in March, they said, look, we're closed. As long as we're closed, if you've got an annual pass, we're going to extend your pass for as long as we're closed. Um, I believe Tables in Wonderland did the same thing. We're going to extend your Tables in Wonderland membership as long as we're closed. Um, so, you know, the, those were were positives. Um my experience with Disney is that once you finally got through them, they were to them, they were pretty good about making people whole and getting people refunded. So that, you know, I'll give them credit for, for all of that. Um, but it was going to be a while before vacations came back. And, um, as if to, to signal, it was going to be a wait, you know, Disney didn't just cancel reservations at a certain point there. And, and Willie, you may remember better than me because it might not have actually, this piece might not have actually hit till April, but I, I feel like it happened right after that first wave in March. They actually essentially shut down their online booking engine. Yes. They shut everything down. It was literally just a, a website that said, sorry, we are not taking reservations end of story if you need to cancel here's the phone number to call and there was nothing else it was it was as plain jane as we're basically closed and call to get your money back yeah how crazy they've never had to do anything like that either so i mean everybody's you know scraping for hey what do i do here right absolutely and and we know that part of what was going on is that disney had to build entire new systems to help manage you know the the reopening once once they got there but at, at that stage back in in march and april they didn't even know what that was going to look like yet so well, i mean we all thought this was going to be you know two weeks like we were talking about and then it was like oh easter and then you know there were some people up above that said that it would be over quickly and that didn't happen. And next thing you know, it was May. I don't want to jump ahead, but you know, that's how it. Right. Just it, it did happened. go quick. Um, I mean, yeah. we can, yeah. we can pause for a second and see, is there anything else of, of significance really that, that happened in April? I mean, the, April was, was the days of the hard shutdown. Um, and in, you know, most of our communities, people were, were operating under, you know, stay at home orders of one kind or another, um, you know, only going out for, for essential purchases, you know, get your groceries, try and only shop every couple of weeks, you know, minimize your exposures to other people in the public, wear masks. Like I kept track of, um, um, Notable people that had passed, you know, during the year this year, and uh, in April, Brian Dennehy was one of them, and um, uh, he's known for a lot of different things, TV and movies, but uh, specifically Disney related. He was um, uh, the voice of Django, which is Remy's father in Ratatouille. Oh, interesting! So I did not know that at all. Trivia, nice little history, yeah. Um. So, and anything else uh, from from April news-wise that I mean, it, we, we did get onward to Disney Plus, um, which was was pretty cool. I mean, I, I know I appreciated it. Um, you know, for me, I mean that that was one of those sort of you know, give me a ray of sunshine on a in the middle of a, a rough time. Oh, right, exactly, something fun to do. 
even if it was only an hour and a half or two hours, you know what I mean? It was, yep, exactly. hey, two hours of positive something. Now, and, and we, we started to find out that, uh, you know, it, it was going to be a while before we got other new Disney content because, I mean, Disney had a heck of a, a lineup you know, kind of locked and loaded for the rest of 2020 that at that point was just all thrown up into the air. I mean, we had a, a Mulan release that who knew when that was going to come out. We had a Black Widow release that we still don't know when, when we're going to see. Well, I think, I guess we finally did get some information about Black Widow just in the last couple of weeks, but you know, it, it's been quite a while. Um, Anything else, sort of uh, March, April time frame that that is important to touch on? No, I think from the the fifteenth, sixteenth of March on, it was just it was uh, it was the waiting silence. game. Yeah, radio silence for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and at, at a certain point in April, you know, the, we kind of got the reality check. I mean, you know, we didn't know when things were going to open back up, but we did get word from Disney that. Essentially, and and I don't I don't know Willie maybe you'll remember um, or Tim I, I don't know that this was ever made official, but you know the word kind of trickled out that Disney wasn't going to be taking new reservations until at least June first. Right. Um, I was just thinking about. I think it's else. later than that. Well, it, because, ultimately it was, but but yeah, already yeah. by April they were finally coming. You know, and and we we were getting word that. This isn't. It was finally becoming clear that this isn't going to be quick. And um, yeah, I, th- I think April is when we really started getting our head wrapped around this idea that uh, this is bigger than a bread box. This is a real, yeah. This is real, and it's going to take a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. Because then May, May is when we start to get the real information. Because it, there's certain Florida starts to open. What information there is to be had, yes. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was like the you know Florida's plan to recovery took over, took effect on May fourth, and then was updated on the eleventh and the fourteenth and the fifteenth, and then they could reopen stores and restaurants on May twenty seventh, and that's when Universal decided to reopen City Walk. Reopened began on May 14th, Disney Springs on May 20th. And, you know, from there, all third party locations had a choice if they wanted to open or not. Right. So the, the, you know, the, the, the lid was starting to come off, um, or at least announcements that it was coming off started rolling out. Um, then this is also when, um, Bob Iger officially sort of returned to the fold in that you know, new sort of nebulous advisory role um, that happened uh, during the the month of May. Um, my favorite thing that happened in the month of May is um, that that Disney Plus in in celebration of Star Wars Day, May the Fourth, um, yes. launched the Disney Gallery show, um, Disney Gallery: The Mandalorian, that is a behind the scenes documentary of the making of Mandalorian. I have to tell you, I love those kinds of shows anyway, and I, I've liked a lot of the content on Disney+. Plus. That show is my favorite one of those ever, bar none. If you have not seen it, definitely start watching. Word to the wise. But you know what else they released on Disney+, Plus that day? 
What else? Rise of Skywalker. You know what? I actually liked Rise of Skywalker, and I still liked Gallery the Mandalorian better. That's how good it was. I am going to have to check that out. I've not seen that yet. Um, I mean, okay, I'm going to gush for a minute because I think it's such a fantastic show. So, first of all, um, John Favreau, who who's been the the showrunner and kind of the brain behind um, Mandalorian from the beginning, uh, serves as the host for gallery and the the whole show takes you through all of the various different pieces of how that show came together um and the the constants are john favreau and dave filoni um who is sort of the the uh george lucas's successor in terms of the the father of right the the caretaker of star wars on the lucas film side yeah right um, and so you've got the two of them and then they brought in, uh, as, as sort of guests, um, all of the directors that they worked with and they talked about, you know, what, what it was that they were, they were trying to do. They talked process. They talked how they did it. Um, they showed off the coolest, uh, television production, uh, studio facility that I have ever laid eyes on. Um, I don't know if you ever heard references to it, but um, they call it the volume. The volume. Yes. The volume is essentially a massive sort of entire wall size, super high definition video screen. Ooh, that kind of stuff. And what is so cool about it is that it is so high def that a lot of the stuff that they shoot for Mandalorian that even for like for movies, they would have had to do as, um, you know, special effects shots in front of a green screen. They don't have to use green screens because they can just shoot it against the volume. There you go. And what an idea. It has such high resolution and depth that you don't even notice. All right, I'm sold. I got to watch this stuff. But but let me ask you this: How much did uh, Favreau and company get into the vision of what they wanted to do and where they wanted to go with Mandalorian? So they did a lot. They talked about story development. They talked about the feel that they were trying to create. Um, they talked about the characters and and sort of you know where they were drawing from. Right? They they showed some of the Ralph McQuarrie sketches that they used as inspiration for various parts of the story. Are these um, the same sketches that they show like the beginning end of the uh, show? Often. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Some of those. Um, and, and others as well, but, um, you know, they talk about that influence on what they've done. Um, I mean, it's probably enough rambling about Mandalorian, but, um, I just, I loved it. Um, it was so thorough and engaging. Um, and, and, I think the best part about it is that you could see that all of these people who participated in creating this show, really loved what they were doing, right? They, they loved this world that they were working with. Um, and they, they really enjoyed the creative community that they were a part of, you know, given the volume, as you speak of, um, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like an immersive experience for the, the, uh, creative directors, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was like giving them a brand new toy too, because they'd never worked with anything like this either. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love that. I love that tech stuff. I, 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 I'm sold. I've got to go watch this thing now. Well, and you got to watch it because we're getting close to the last episode of season two of Mandalorian. And, and they have said that um, we're going to get a, a second season of Gallery as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. We've right. beaten that one for enough. Let's move ahead a little bit. Yes. So uh, enough gushing about um, behind the scenes uh, on on Disney Plus for uh, Mandalorian. Um, you know, we also started seeing the the delay impacts. Right. Um, we saw you know announcements coming out from Disneyland that or not even really announcements. It was more subtle than that. But, you know, like all of the the um, the web banners and things that mentioned uh, Avengers Campus, instead of saying summer 2020, all of a sudden they started saying coming soon. <laughs> right. Um, but that's, that's got to be it because, I mean, like they started to try to record movies or record whatever you want, film movies, all over the world and you know they started doing things in one country and then they got shut down and then you know it's just how can you say when it's going to really come because they don't even know when they get the people there well and and when it came to avengers campus especially they ran into issues in california because the the california restrictions for workplaces reopening um you know even even when they could figure out for example you know, okay, we could theoretically work on this project because, you know, we'd only need, we could bring in just the carpenters. And so it could be just those, you know, six guys so we could keep it under 10, right? But then it was, okay, we'd need those six guys. Oh, wait, but then there are two more guys who bring in their supplies and there's a supervisor who has to be there too. And, oh my gosh, all of a sudden now we're at 15 and that's five more than we're allowed, than the state says we're allowed to have in the workplace. And that's where it became really challenging because you can't really do anything on a site with nine people. Right. Not that's people. not a site that size. Right. I mean, even if you had a 500,000 square foot building, if they only said 10 people inside, I mean, you could be throwing bowling balls. You'd never hit each other. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Baseballs. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, at that point, we knew so little detail in terms of the science of the, the uh, virus and viral spread. And they were, they were doing what they could to, to keep things under control. Um, all right. So, so, you know, Disneyland, I mean, not only at Walt Disney world, at least because Florida in May starts kind of reopening the, the highest priority construction projects start to at least get limited progress made on them, right? They can start working with small crews again, but they can start working to to get things rolling again. At Disneyland, they're completely shut down. There's no construction happening, and they're the ones that have this entire land that are supposed to open in the summer. They have, I mean, they have zero work. I mean, it's like, stay home, don't bother coming. Yeah. Like, don't even think about looking to come either. Clearly, you're nothing not opened in the summer either. <laughs> nothing. Not happening. Now, um, the next month, uh, June, uh, starts to look a, a little bit hopeful um, because in June is, is when, um, you know, Disney does announce uh, that they're going to be reopening, not immediately, but soon. 
right? Um, so we're we're in this in between time, right? Disney Springs. They've been having guests come by and has been opening slowly a, a couple things at a time starting uh, sort of end of May. As we get into June, we get um, announcement that the park areas will, will, will be reopening, right? So we started with Vero Beach and Hilton Head first. Okay. And they opened the 15th. So those are the standalone resorts standalone in DVCs. Florida and and in South North Carolina. Car- or in South Carolina um, that that you know you don't have parks to deal with right you just have hotel reservations and they've got to deal with distancing and now you're going to feed people but you don't have to deal with parks to deal with Hilton Head and and Vero Beach correct and then we went straight into June 22nd was Wilderness Lodge I'm sorry Fort Wilderness Campground opened up and that was, that was like the, that was when we knew things were starting to really turn around in Florida. Right. Because this is the point where, I mean, I think it was probably just before that, that the, the, the booking engines came online again, people could book trips. Um, the, the resorts we had, um, you know, opening schedules announced a few hotels opening at a time. Um, and it was very interesting to me. They, they opened, began opening hotels June 22nd, but they waited on the parks, right? Parks didn't open right at the same time as the, the hotel. Correct. They, they waited almost three weeks. July 11th is when Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom opened. Right. Four more days before anything else. Yeah, so I mean, what are you doing? We're just going to go there and hang out at the hotel. I, well, we've covered that before on this show, where you know there are fun things that you can do in the resort. But um, yeah, if you're planning to go and uh, live it up at uh, in the parks, um, uh, put the brakes on. Right, um, and and you know, it made sense really when you looked at what they were doing, right? It was, let's do this a little bit at a time because they had to get cast members back on duty. Remember these cast members hadn't worked in two months, you know, they had to get them retrained on all of these new procedures, safety issues, you know, they had to get all those done. They had all this new signage that they, that they put up, especially stuff that had to do with social distancing and, um, you know, routing people so that they could maintain distance. Um, so, so, you know, slow rollout made a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I hope I really kind of hope they are making a documentary about this because um, uh, the way Disney can do things, you know, like f- totally flip a park overnight from from Halloween to Christmas and so forth. Um, I wonder, you know, once they came up with a plan for the distancing and the dividers, you know, how how long did it take them to really execute on that plan? I would love to see the behind the scenes information on that. Cause I'm just kind of a that, geek like that. No, no, I totally agree. I would love to see that. It's, it's kind of like, I mean, not to bring up sports, but it's like the last stand with Michael Jordan, you know, it was like that last year of one thing. What did we do for the last seven months to make our park open and safe and people still want to come? Yeah. Because that's what they're doing. Well, I think that would help them, you know, uh, bring the travel industry back is to do that. Here's here's what we did. Here's what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Show it. And I know they don't want to sometimes because they don't want people to know their secrets. But, but. you know what? Most of the stuff isn't secret anyway. And and 
in, in a lot of ways, I mean, they've, they've really been sharing it publicly, just not in necessarily that particular format. I mean, you know, we, we have that whole, uh, promotional campaign that they built out around the Incredibles family about being, you know, superheroes and protecting each other. And, and they have this whole kind of multi-page interactive PDF that they, you know, encouraged people to distribute, encouraged the travel folks to, to distribute to guests um, after they'd booked a trip so that they would understand, you know, what these new conditions were going to look like and, you know, how they were, keeping them safe and, and all those things. So, so some of that's out there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever get it. Um, I think that for whatever reason, they are often, you know, shy about sharing operations. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think people would really appreciate seeing it. That could be a really cool Disney plus exclusive. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, totally agree. You, you talk about, even if they showed it in 2022, you know, to get past 2020, you know, get work through 2021 with everything that's right, coming right. up. And then 2022, remember back when blank. Yeah. We shut and our have it in the rear view mirror. Yeah. And it's a total, I mean, that they might be doing it and we just don't know it. Well, that's true too. Um, now, the other thing that was cool that happened um, in, in July there is that we did get a um, – little less maybe than some of us thought, but kind of a surprise return of the Muppets to through Disney plus. Um, we got this weird kind of one-off um, Muppet show um, Muppets now. And the whole conceit of this show was that the, the Muppets were, you know, producing their Muppet show basically in the age of, of COVID. So, you know, they put it together that way too, but it, it was, you know, Social, socially distanced characters and, and chunks of the show were, were the conceit was they were produced over Zoom, um, and it looked like they really were. Um, I, I don't know, do you, either of you guys watch, uh, watch the show? I have not seen that yet. I didn't see it. I, I, I try to watch enough TV, but there's only so much you can right. watch. Well, it, it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's worth giving a look. I, I didn't find it nearly as compelling as the old Muppet show. And in some ways it was, you know, it hit a little too close <laughs> to home. Um, but I, I was glad to see it. I was glad to see that they were, um, it, it suggested at least that, that those characters weren't just being um, written off by Disney. Right. Yeah. Um, that there's yeah, I'm gonna have to get on my wife about that. She's the she's the Muppet nut, so she should have caught this already. Yes, yes, she should. <laughs> um, and in July, they actually did start back with some limited construction over at Avengers Campus in California. Yep. In July. <laughs> well, I, actually, I'm sorry. In June, by by yeah. late June. Yeah. Um. Any anything else uh, of note in June? I mean, you know, by June. We had the the cruise line had canceled cruises on into um, I want to say at that point they were canceled through the end of August. Yeah, I think that's what it was, August thirty first, and then we yes. got we got pushed a couple more times, which yeah, we're still going to push. Right? Um, didn't uh, Infinity War come out on Disney Plus in June? I was thinking it did. 
That's just trying to place where I was and when I was there. Right. Was like, that that sounds like about right. It was either end of June or very beginning of July because I think they wanted it out for Fourth of July weekend. Um. Yeah, if it was June, it was late June. Yeah. Um. But but that sounds about right, and and um. That's been. I mean, I, I I've enjoyed the the Marvel content that's been on Disney plus. Um, it's been fun even going back to watch some of the old, um, the older cartoon series that are now on Disney plus and available. Um, some of which, you know, I totally missed cause I, I was, I was too old to watch them as a kid and I wasn't a dad yet watching with my kids. So I kind of had missed right. them. Yep. There's just a ton of content out there. There really is. For people that that don't have it or haven't experienced Disney Plus yet, there's a lot of stuff there to see. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff. And it's eight dollars a month now. Like, really, people? Like eight dollars? Yeah. Like, Try to take your family to the movie house for that. Nope. You can't even get a popcorn, more or less a ticket. Mm. Yep. Well, you can't go now, but right. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so let's go ahead and move into the the July and, and August timeframes. Um, you know what what's going on around Disney as we as we get you know into the summer, the core of the well, summer. One thing that I was thought was a really nice surprise. Uh, uh, it, it may have been announced and I just missed it completely. Brain dead, missed it. But Hamilton came out on Disney Plus, and that was that a, July fourth. Yeah, July that was 3rd? July fourth yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, brought it up it for the like, 4th of July. So the, it was a great thing. So apparently the, the story behind that is is really pretty cool. Uh, apparently Disney had negotiated the rights for Hamilton um, and just kind of been pretty quiet about it and I guess paid a whole lot of money for it, planning on a theatrical release. And they just decided that having it come out to watch at home over 4th of July weekend at a time when they really wanted to help encourage people to stay home um, instead of going, going out and traveling over 4th of July weekend um, was, was the right thing to do. Um, well, it worked. Everybody and, should have done their dog has watched it at least once. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Well, I mean, they, and they kind of tried. I mean, you know, they, they didn't get it out quite soon enough. Right. Um, but, but Mulan came out, um, right after that, but that's, that's getting ahead, right? Let's, let's, yeah, yeah, let's, let's progress. Let's go. Let's not get too far ahead. Um, so, uh, uh, biggest thing here is that we're in July and we have kind of a false start from Disneyland, right? They, there's, they kind of trickle out. I don't, I don't even know that there was ever an official announcement, but word started getting out that they were going to open July 17th and then had to walk that back pretty quickly. That was not happening. Um, the most interesting thing to me that came out in July was that, you know, in reaction to a large extent to, um, really what had been a longstanding, uh, uh, objection and, and some building negative sentiment, um, finally Disney pulls the trigger and, it just, it, the timing seemed odd to me just because it was the middle of a pandemic and nobody had been in a Disney park for three months at that point. But they announced that Splash Mountain is getting a retheme. Yeah, it was July. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody lost their minds over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, can, 
can anybody besides just a couple of us uh, recite anything from that movie other than Sippity Doodah? <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I understand it's it's one of those time honored favorites, traditions. What 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 do you want to call it? But um, yeah, maybe it's this time for an update, right? It's it's a ride that really no one knows except, like you said, zippity doo da. I mean, like you could oh. ride through the whole ride and you could never tell me who ninety nine percent of the people are in that ride. Yep, old buggers like me can, but I bet the two of you can't. Well, I mean, I can because I saw. I saw the movie, I saw the in, the movie in the theater. Yeah. Really? When I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. I mean, w- right. Willie and I are about the same age, I think. And, and we've talked about this before where, you know, Song of the South had two or three re-releases. Re-releases. And I went to it. I remember going and I mean, the word tar baby to me was like funny. Like I didn't understand it as like a 10 year old. Like, right. I, I mean, maybe I was nine or eight, but it was like, Oh, that's a funny word. Ha ha ha. Right. <laughs> He's covered in tar. I mean, exactly. that's all it was. And that's was what no, it looked like. There was no connotation to it. Exactly. But but now we know. <laughs> yeah. now we know different. Right? And you know better, you do better. Exactly. You learn. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, the, the more important thing to me is that it's not like they announced that they were going to, you know, drop the Song of the South theming and you know, it was just going to become a generic flume ride. Um, because I, I think that the solution that they've offered is a fantastic solution. Um, there should be a princess and the frog attraction in the Disney parks. Um, there you is know, no IP that I'm aware of for, for princess and the frog. Well, I mean, there are a couple of character meeting groups. The cruise ship. Yeah. On, on, on what the, the, the magic and the wonder magic Those and are, the wonder. Yeah. But, but not in the parks, other than parks. like like Aaron was saying, meet and greets. Yeah, um, and and I mean, there's great story to tell there. So uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the story because it's a longer ride, right? There's a a, a long track there and a good opportunity to tell, you know, so many stories. Yeah, and and to to do dark, you know, do classic Disney dark ride in a way that, frankly, they haven't had the opportunity to do in a long time. I mean, the closest thing to it is is the Little Mermaid attraction, and in some ways, you know, that was one that that like it got pulled off the shelf, right? I mean, that was something that had been mostly designed, mostly done two decades ago, and it just didn't get right. built. And they just shoved it together real quick and got it down. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how quick it was because it was part of of New Fantasyland. But the important part is that, yeah, I mean, it's not like they went back to the drawing board and started from scratch. Well, it's also not a very challenging ride. Yeah. I mean, it's a clamshell riding around in a a circle. Right, right. I mean, it was made (laughs) as a simple project. Right. Um, So, so, you know... it was a controversial thing at the time, but it, it was, I don't think there's any real question that it was the right thing to do. And the only thing that surprises me about it at all, and I guess it's just a financial issue, you know, it seems to me that this would have been the perfect time to just go ahead and get it done. Um, that's not happening. Um, I don't know. Last Latest rumors I've heard is that it's probably not going to happen until 2022 or 2023. At the earliest, really? yeah. So, I mean, 
We're going to splash mountain for a long time. There's everybody no money. Oh, there everybody have plenty of time to get their souvenirs and whatnot. Yeah. But it's like you but, said, if you if you have no parks open, you got no revenue flowing other than what's coming in off of Disney Plus, what are you going to do? Right. Well, and and you know, when we hit August, we got a lot more of of that kind of news. Um, you know, this is where the news started trickling out about um, projects being canceled. Um, we, we learned, for example, that, um, you know, the, the Mary Poppins attraction that had been teased at, at D23 earlier was not going to happen. Um, I was going to say probably half of what they were planning for Epcot wasn't going to happen, right? Well, you know, they did a pretty good job of keeping Epcot. Yeah. And a lot of it, on pace a, a, a lot of the Epcot stuff, they they haven't really said completely what's happening. Like all, all we know is that they're very much sort of prioritizing and it's probably going to be a much slower role. It's not going to be like, you know, lifting the curtain on everything, opening all at once, kind of like new fantasy land, right? It's going to be oh. an attraction here, an attraction there. Um, I'm sure they would like to have opened as much as they could exactly. have by, by the, you know, by October 1st. Right. Uh, next um, year. Not going to happen so much. Nope. the The biggest things were though that that you know that the Mary Poppins attraction was pretty clear that that's completely off the table, um, and the maybe bigger deal is that the Spaceship Earth refurb that they'd actually started right they'd started pulling things out of the dioramas, um, and they basically reversed engines um, and have have postponed the Spaceship Earth refurb. They know it needs to happen, but it's not going to happen probably until the other side of the anniversary celebration at this point. Priorities. Um, and we had a couple other attractions um, that are, were, you know, on the, on their last legs that, that were given the farewell in August as well. Um, Stitch's great escape, which had pretty much been gotten rid of already. Um, yeah. They finally admitted it, right? It's, eh, no, no, <laughs> we're not even going to pretend anymore. It's gone. Um, right. And it's then, a trick or treat location now. That's yeah. about all it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, For the moment. And then maybe the ones that that you know didn't get as much attention, but perhaps should have, is um, two pretty significant closings in um, Disney's Animal Kingdom, with Primeval World closing permanently, and Rivers of Light. Um, you know, Rivers of Light is something that they invested a whole lot of money in, and Canceling it completely at this point is basically an admission that we messed up on that one. That really came as a surprise to me because, uh, in all honesty, I have not, I had not taken any enough time or any time to uh, watch that at all. You know, it's not been there that long, and now, boom, it's gone. It it was um, how do you say challenging to watch because you're okay. so you're so. Um, used to the castle show at magic kingdom you had you know um illuminations you had uh phantasmic and then you got there and it was just ho-hum that's uh, that's my opinion it was just ho-hum yeah i mean i, I think i'm the holdout here my son and i saw it uh for the first time a year ago august um and we loved it um we just 
we were thought it was a great show. He was really captivated by the the barges and the changing lights and the the projections and all of that. Um, you know, we we liked it a lot. Um, you know, I think the most interesting thing to me about Rivers of Light and sort of the fallout from Rivers of Light is seeing what its impact is going to be on Harmonious, because it's very clear that decisions about when and how to open Harmonious and Epcot are going to be impacted by the experience with Rivers of Light. Um, we've talked about this a little bit on other shows, but, you know, the the obviously people don't say these kinds of things officially, but, um, you know, the pressure to open Rivers of Light as part of that big announced opening celebration, and, and they announced very early when it was going to open and built a whole event around that opening. Um, and it, it's pretty clear that they ran into issues that either had not been anticipated or they thought they were going to be able to engineer around, and they just turned out to be wrong. Um, and it was pretty simple stuff. Right. Um, you know, a lot of stuff in that show was supposed to happen using um, um, sort of water jet technology. Right. Which means you got to suck water in and blow it back out. And, um, you know, they, they used as their sort of planning model. Right. The, the system that they built in in California for uh, World of Color. Well, what's the big difference between. DCA in the area where World of Color exists and Disney's Animal Kingdom where Rivers of Light is performed. Concrete versus dirt. Concrete versus trees. 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 Okay. Yes, that. They couldn't keep up with the leaves. It wasn't oh, possible. Wow. So all True. of these I could see that. All of these pumps kept getting clogged and clogged. fouled by the leaves. That's when you need the fake trees again. I, I I would be concerned that even the fake trees would be a problem because those still fall off. Yeah. Um, but there was no way. I mean, they, they couldn't cut away. It wouldn't be Animal Kingdom anymore. Um, and, you know, whatever solution they thought they had just didn't work. And so that was a, apparently that was a lot of what was causing those problems with boat control because – Engines that were supposed to, you know, push it along one direction would get blocked, and so they wouldn't go where they were being steered to go. And, you know, it got to be problems. They couldn't have the dancers on the barge because you couldn't oh, you have— You mean those weren't on a track? Shouldn't they have been on a track? <laughs> I'm not even sure that would have helped. It, it couldn't have helped without, like, it was just— it's a bad location. And, you know, what do they always say about real estate? Location, location, location. And it was just, it, the park was not designed to have a nighttime show. And they were forcing something into the middle of the night to Can keep the park open late. Did we talk about this attraction on, uh, yeah. on Thanksgiving turkeys? Yeah, we did. And, <laughs> and I, I kind of expressed some of my concerns then. And we'll go, we'll back away from it here. But, but I, I just think. What's more interesting to me than the fact that they closed Rivers of Light is to see how that informs what they do with Harmonious at Epcot. 
um, because, you know, that's clearly barreling ahead. Um, August is also when Rise of the Resistance got back to its its virtual queue system because the, the crowd capacity was, was getting to be enough that it was needed. Um, anything else significant from August? The, uh, the greatest showman came out on Disney plus. I was right. very happy. To that see was that. a nice release. Yep. We also got pop. Uh, we got Polly and, uh, yacht and beach club DVCs opened. So right. we were starting to get more, um, you know, rooms over near Epcot, which was nice to have because, I mean, obviously they're not completely open, but it was a good start. Let's yes. put it that way. Right. The the whole, all of property was getting more active at that point. They were getting more restaurants open at that point as well. Um, so those things were good. Um, they seemed to, by August, have sort of settled into a bit of a routine at least for what whatever the, the pandemic routine could be, right? So we have dining reservations, but they're 60 days out instead of 180 days out. No fast passes, um, but you have to make your park reservations. Um, so right. isn't that when they introduced the park reservation system? Well, was that in August? That was no, that was in July. Was that in July? June, when they, when really? They it, it was June. as soon as they announced the park's oh, reopening, right? Because right. that's right. what they were waiting for. Part of what they were waiting for is to have that system live and working. Okay, so now they're kind of falling into a cadence. They they ha- they know what this is going to be like, right? Right, and there's kind of a routine setting in for this is how you know the for at least for the time being how we're going to do things. Um, so that that I think you know was was a good thing um, as as we sort of got through the end of summer and um, you know headed towards fall. Also, by the way, um, August I think is when we were were finally getting some update regarding um, you know Disney Cruise Line because. Uh, a lot of the excitement about Disney's Cruise Line is that, you know, we knew we've we had these announcements from two years ago that new ships are coming. Right. Um, and one of the ripple effects of COVID-19 was not only was the cruise line not operating, so maybe Disney isn't ready to take delivery of this ship, but the impact on the shipyard building the ships was such that they were behind. And, you know, Disney was kind of... I want to say in the third slot, right? They were behind um, Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas that had to get finished. And there was one other ship that that was due to get finished before um, uh, Disney Wish at the same shipyard. Wasn't that the Carnival? Um, I, I thought it might be Mardi, Mardi Gras. Gras. It might Mardi. be. I don't know that the, I don't remember for sure whether whether they built Mardi Gras at Meyerwerf though. But that's not the same class of ship as the Wish, right? Um, that yeah. A small ship? No, no, no. Oh, it is. Mardi Gras is a big ship. Mardi Gras is okay. a roller coaster on board. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That shows you how much I paid attention to that. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, it's a, a roller coaster <laughs> built by the same folks who built uh, Rip Ride Rocket. Very cool. Yeah. Um, but, but in any case, what we got from that point was not a real announcement of something happening in the future. What we got was a warning, right? We got a heads up that the plan was for Wish to hit the water. Um, I believe at that point, the idea was it was going to start sailing in, in January 2022 um, with, with guests. And 
you know, that isn't happening. We don't know when it's coming out yet, but it's not going to be ready then. Well, not only do we not have a ship, we also don't have Lighthouse Point yet. That's true, too. Um, and again, we don't really have any firm updates. There was no actual news about Lighthouse Point. Um, just no news was no news, <laughs> which meant that they weren't making any progress. Yeah, I have heard zero about that. I mean, absolutely zero about that's, that. That's like like 0. 0.0 talked about at all. Like we don't even we don't even know it exists anymore. That's how far off the radar it is. Only in our memories. <laughs> um hopefully that gets back on track soon. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I've looked at the the layout, the plans, the the schematics. It, it it looks exciting. It looks like something I really want to check out. But I digress. All right. Um, so so we roll on into the fall. Um, and so next up, we have uh, September 2020, which we you know isn't that far behind. We haven't left that behind that far. Um, what, what was our big news for fall? Uh, big news for fall. Many... Um Many of the resorts are starting to reopen from Grand Floridian to um, what was the other? Not Wilderness Lodge, but I believe it opened also. And we were not going to have Halloween or Christmas parties this year. Right. That was one of the biggest pieces of news. Yeah. Yeah. We got rid of both major parties. And nighttime spectaculars, which is really disappointing, but it is exactly what was needed to be done. Right. Well, any, even with the reopens, there's um, a limit to how many um, uh, rooms are available in the reopen. And I've learned that the hard way, just trying to book for even next year. Um, as it stands right now, uh, there are very limited rooms available. So, you know, you... Yeah, I started booking at my 11-month window, and the specific kind of room I wanted is, yeah, I'm on the wait list for it. So, yeah, a little harder to get. Now, there were a couple other bits of news that came out in September that, that um, you know, well, at least one that, that I think in some ways kind of got overlooked just because, you know, people weren't watching for it. Um, you know, over at the Polynesian, they'd opened the DVC rooms, but... They were already, you know, they had a, a renovation project that was already in progress in the Great Ceremonial House, and the the regular rooms um, had not been open. And in in September, they uh, announced that the the rest of the resort was not going to open until summer 2021. So they kind of pushed back the expected reopening date. But we also got a little bit more information about why. And that's is that we know that there are at least a chunk of those rooms. Um, we don't know. I don't think it's clear yet whether it's all the rooms or or a subset, um, but are going to get a Moana um, theme to them. Theme. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know whether that means that all of the rooms are going to be Moana themed, or whether we're going to have sort of a a Moana section, kind of like the princess rooms at um, uh, Port, Port Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Is like. Kind of like you've got the the pirates' rooms and the cars' rooms. You know, there, there's probably just a special set aside, is my guess. And it's a brilliant move because what can you do with Moana rooms? Charge more, of course, and people will pay for it. Well, and I, and I'm sure they'll look great. Of course they will. I mean, it's of it's Hawaii. 
like where can you go this all get out uh i mean and and people still think you know the other themed rooms are just cool as all get out you can do i can i myself can sit in here sit here and think up things that would be really cool to implement in in a moana themed room so i'm sure they're way ahead of me on that now we did get also some very sad news in september um, because that's when we got the the news broke of the very untimely death of Chadwick Boseman, um, Black Panther himself. Yes. Um, it, it was a, a pretty devastating story. It, it, just amazing. You know, news came out at that point saying that, that he had been fighting uh, colon cancer for uh, more than a year and a half at that point. He'd made like five movies, you know, while fighting advanced stage colon cancer. Just amazing guy. And yeah, what a man. I, I mean, I remember just just finding myself, you know, totally speechless watching uh, a video that was done of Bozeman visiting children with cancer in the hospital at a time when he was being treated for cancer himself and wasn't telling anybody and was keeping a lid on that news, but still taking time out of what he knew already was a limited amount of time to spend, you know, with, with kids who were in the hospital. Um, What an amazing man. Just, just an incredible guy. And Um, how many of us went back and watched black Panther again after that? I did. I did watched it that night. And actually watched several other Chadwick Boseman movies. Um, he he does he did a really good job in a uh, James Brown biopic that came out a few years ago that I think you can find on at least on Amazon Prime and it might be on some other sor- services as well. Cool, I'll check that out. Highly recommend it. Yeah, you know what else came out in September? My very favorite show in all of Disney Plus right now, uh, and that is the Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. I love that show my family okay so they now have this thing in in disney plus where you can like watch together you know even though you're in separate locations Mm -hmm. you can't really do a whole lot with it other than just you know send emojis of this or that but um that's the one thing that my whole family will be in our different houses and we'll watch this thing together and there are only eight, eight episodes so far but it is the cutest show and, you know, I mentioned this on another podcast. I mean, you're done. You, 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 you know, the names of these animals, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could probably hop on the safari ride and, and Kilimanjaro safaris and be able to go, Oh, that's this animal. Oh, that's this animal. And you name them off by name. My favorite shows. That show, that show is so cool. And like you said, there's only eight. I wish there was 80 because it's so good. You sit there and you watch and you're just like, Holy cow, this is so amazing. Look at what these people go through. I mean, they they treat the animals just as well as they treat the people. I mean, just it's Disney magic left and right. Very much so. Yeah. Well, and I think we've we've gotten confirmation that they're gonna do another season of that, right? I have not heard that. Okay. I, 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 I thought I had heard are. that there was another series coming. Um, that they're gonna continue it. So we can be hopeful because um, you know, I know you've you've had great things to say about it. I haven't had a chance to watch yet. Been too busy watching the other stuff. Um, the one other thing, you know, September news started breaking too, because, you know, that that's the end of a, a fiscal year for Disney. And amidst all the bad news of 
losses from the parks and you know needing to lay off cast members and executives taking uh, uh, you know working with without pay for chunks of time um, came the news that that amidst all of this uh, Disney plus was succeeding beyond anybody's expectations um, you know they had expected a buildup over five I want to say that the, the goal was over five years to hit 80 million subscribers and um, by September they had already reached 60.5 million so well, they were they like, didn't they didn't see COVID coming either, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> that was going to say, I mean, of course, stuck at home, right? Yeah. But, but I mean, the reality is that they were they were two years ahead of schedule, yeah. um, and and the one thing that I will say is that you know, as we're going to talk about things that have come up in the last couple of months, you know that that rapid growth of Disney Plus is probably a big part of what is getting us some really great entertainment releases to Disney plus that might have otherwise gotten canceled or just delayed further because, you know, they, they wouldn't have, have seen the profit potential in running it to a streaming service without Disney plus. Right. And the fact that, okay, so, um, Milan, Milan came out in September, right? The live action. Yep. September 4th. And they charged a premium fee for that. I know a lot of people that paid that extra fee to watch uh, the live action Mulan. And uh, that that can only bolster things for them. And then that's what Disney is doing. They're, they're going, oh, this is where our growth is right now. So this is where our investment dollars are right now. So you're right. They're, they're bringing us new and better content because of the success. I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, they're making 30 bucks a pop on Mulan. I mean, I didn't know anyone that personally bought it, but I know a lot of people that bought it because you could see that they were like, oh, we've watched it five times already. Like, you spent $30, you watched it five times. That's a killer deal because you couldn't go to the movies for 30 bucks. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and it's not just the, the Mulan release, but it's, it's, you know, the accelerated movement of shows or of, of movies, you know, to a, a streaming format that, you know, normally would have taken a lot longer to get there. Um, and, and the ramp up of a lot more content that is sort of on the horizon here. Um, you know, October was a rough month for Disney. Um, you know, already it was, to me, seeing Disney without, without the, the Halloween parties, like that hit, that, that to me hit more than anything else to say, because they're such an integral part to me since we did a Halloween party on our first Walt Disney World visit. Um, to me, that really drove home that, gosh, we really are living in a different time. Um, and Disney laid off another 28,000 cast members in October. Um, you know, by this time, the, the college program had already been canceled. Um, the, the international program had already been canceled. So all of those students were, you know, sent back home basically. Um, but, uh, you know, they, Disney kept plugging along. Um, we did get more attractions starting to to open up um they brought back 
first time in forever um, in in Disney's Hollywood Studios. So it's one of the first live entertainment shows to get back up and running. Which you wouldn't expect, you know, singing. Oh, you know, spread moisture droplets. But they're they're socially distanced well enough that you can get away with that, right? So they're distancing it and they're doing it even as they seat guests, right? They're they're yes. only seating groups of of four or less, and um, and they have to be checkerboarded exactly. So there's there's six feet basically between groups. Um, what really what really hurts about the layoffs is um, a lot of that. Uh, also comes at the hands of the Actors Equity Association in terms of the the shows that we have enjoyed watching. Um, you know the uh, the actors on Hollywood uh, Hollywood Boulevard comes to mind. Yeah. But there's a lot of those that you know uh, Beauty and the Beast, for example. Um, these things that can't go on because of uh, of an impasse between Disney and the and the um, association. Well, now my understanding is that the the core issue there is at least somewhat resolved because the big issue there had to do with um, COVID testing and who was paying for it. Um, and in Orlando, at least, you know, Disney has been offering um, free COVID testing for some time. As a matter of fact, guests can go and get free COVID tests. Um, there's a, a testing center right over by the TTC. Right. There's also one over by the animal kingdom now. Okay. Which, oh, which no, helps. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's still, that costs them money. Oh, I yeah. mean, I just found out in our local town, they want to test the teachers once a week. It's $75 a test. Whew. Yeah. I mean, they said it's $2.2 million. They test the teachers the rest of the year. It's not like the NFL where they've got oodles and gobs. Billions of and billions of dollars. I mean, the schools right. are getting Talking about school systems. They're, they're broke to begin with. They start in, in the negative. Right. Well, and I mean, I think at this point, the NFL probably has its own lab. They probably have everything. Right. Um, now, there were other things happening, um, you know, in, in October. Um, right on the 30th is when the second season of Mandalorian came out. Oh, there we and go. That's what I was I know we for. were. Yeah, we were all glued for that one. Oh, and and I'm sorry. There were two things that came near the end of October. So we had the the opening of of Mandalorian, you know, the season two returned, and uh, we got an announcement that Alani, Disney's Hawaii resort, would would reopen in in November. Um, yes. So that was you know good news. Again, another piece of the the vacation, uh, you know, businesses for Disney, um, you know, getting getting back in the swing of things. Um. And Alani has had its own challenges. You know, they've kind of had to do things a little bit at a time, and and um, it's it's been been interesting to see how they've managed getting getting their things you know reopened because as it was, they had you know they don't have nearly as many dining destinations and things as Walt Disney World does, which on the one hand means you know there's less places that they have to go around and figure things out. But on the other hand, it means that they don't have as many alternative options to offer people in order to help maintain distancing. So it's, it's been an interesting juggling act for them. Right. Less places to put people. Well, Hawaii also has the same problem that most states are having is you have to test negative before you can come in or you have to quarantine. Right. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's a whole separate issue and that's why they waited till November because you could actually theoretically travel to Hawaii before then, but you know, they, they required a 14 day quarantine. 
And right. the big change was that if you could produce a negative test, you can avoid the quarantine. Right. Even so, a lot of the, the things that are, um, you know, in-person things, uh, the anti thing, I'm trying to think what, what they call that. Oh yeah. The kids, the kids club, basically yeah, the, the, right, the, the aunties. Exactly. Aunties house, um, still not open, but so, okay. You figure out other things. There, there are ways around that. No, but it is hard. I mean, aunties isn't open. The the pools, they're trying to control access. So at some times they may route people to the beach instead of the pool or vice versa, depending on, on crowd flow. Um, as we said, uh, you know, restaurants are, are an issue. Um, now, the good news is that, that probably two-thirds of the resort are, are DVC-type rooms. So a lot of those rooms have kitchens. Um, and so you can, you can cook your own and, and, you know, I, I think it would probably be a good idea to look at doing that for at least some of your meals. Um, if for another reason, then so, dining out in Hawaii gets expensive. Figure, figure they're probably, uh, encouraged to do so, right? Yes. And, and you think about as many pools as Alani has, um, there's ways to, you know, uh, allow people to spend time either at the pool or on the beach and still be safe. There's a, a lot of different things that you can do at Alani. Totally. And, I mean, it's not huge. You know, it's not like there's 50,000 people there. Right. So you can you can really social distance there, like you said, at one of the different pools of the ocean. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not the best, but. Right. Not it, ideal, but not it Waukiki works. It's not Beach either. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and, God, Hawaii would love to have that business. You know, the, the state is really hurting. Because if you, we talk about Florida, but I mean, Hawaii, at least as much, relies on that tourism economy. Oh, for sure. Um, all right. So, so as we get into November, you know, that's, that's still, still in our rearview mirrors, right? Objects in that mirror may, may appear closer. Um, it's hard to imagine that we're already that far beyond it, but, um, oh. you know, the, the biggest things I, I'm seeing kind of, you know, looking at, at, at November, it seems to me that, that, um, it was really incremental kind of, we, we settled into a bit of a pattern by now. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is there something that I'm not thinking of? That's a big deal in November. No, I mean, we covered this stuff from IAPA a couple of few weeks ago. Um, so there's not a lot to add there, but, um, I mean, all that did happen, and they talked a lot more about the the Galactic Star Cruiser, et cetera, and, and we've covered that in a different show. Right now, we did get um, we did get some meaningful news, um, and we did talk about some of this too. But um, we we got an opening date for um, one of the All Star resorts. Right, they they announced that that All Star movies would open um, on refurbished, no less. That's right, the refurbished All Star movies would open February 9th. Um, we also got the word that Festival of the Arts would be back. So, you know, that, that was good. Another, another positive. Yeah. Um, we got another, uh, film announcement and I, I gotta say, I'm actually really excited about this one. And I feel a little bit bad for the film because it's going to go to straight to Disney plus instead of getting a theatrical release. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Pixar's next film. It's a total yes. Pixar original soul. Yes. Um, it's going straight to, to Disney plus at no additional cost. They're not doing the thing like they did with Mulan for it. Um, 
it's just part of the regular Disney Plus lineup uh, starting Christmas Day. I think big, that's big fan a of huge hit. Yeah. Because well, it's and no extra charge, which is big to people. And Christmas, they're home. They're encouraging people to stay home. Why not sit around and watch a good two-hour movie of Pixar? Like, it's... They don't really make bad movies for the most part. No, they well, really this don't. One is, this one's really out of the box. It's not a, you know, a Toy Story 15 and a half or whatever. You know, this is right. a really original thing. There's a, there's a series out on Disney Plus that... Um, is inside Pixar and the very first episode of that they're talking about soul. And I watched that and it really got me excited to see the movie. Can't wait. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, they also did a, you know, little tweaks here and there. Um, you know, they've, they've tweaked some of the transportation issues, right? We've talked about how, um, the Skyliners were getting backed up. So they've started running more buses again, um, to resorts that are, are serviced by the Skyliners, um, little, little tweaks to, to make, you know, the guest experience better. Um, and, and, uh, let's see. I mean, nine think. months into this thing, you, you kind of figure they're, they're starting to really catch their stride. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, they, they keep rolling out the, the, uh, mobile ordering process to more restaurants, uh, making that Which available. Which is just a great thing to begin with. I mean, Yes. There's nothing worse than standing 40 minutes in line to get a cheeseburger. Right. When you could walk in with your phone and the cheeseburger's waiting for you with a beer. Well, and, and here's one for you, Tim. You know, um, the next time you're at, at Animal Kingdom Lodge, um, I know that's your, your DVC home resort. Um, yes, it is. So they've introduced something new, and I, I think this is great for folks who are especially staying in those those one-bedroom suites and larger at, at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, at Sanaa... They have basically what they call a table service to go option. So oh, you really? use your mobile ordering, place your order at Sanaa, and they'll package it up for you to pick up and take back up to your room. Oh, very nice. Yeah, because uh, restaurant dining, I don't even know if Sanaa is open. I'm guessing probably not right now. But uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things is the uh, Angie and I will go and sit in the lounge and, and get the bread service and, and all the all the dips and just – yeah, make a time of it. So that that's really good to know that they're that they're doing that. Well, yeah. I mean, how much more cool to be able to order that and then go sit on your balcony and yeah, exactly. enjoy your bread service while you watch the animals. Exactly. I you love know, that. And taunt them with, oh, "Wouldn't you love this? <laughs> Can't have any. It's all nod. mine." It's try the bread it's service. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, go over there. You can look at it in the window. <laughs> <laughs> Good Gosh, stuff. we're mean. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. And non does not make a good Frisbee, people, so don't try it. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> How could you waste good non that way? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um, you know, and, and we started to get news. We haven't really talked about it much, and, and I'll be honest, I don't have the details in front of me, but I want to say we started to get the word in November about the shuffling of the release schedules for for the Marvel stuff that has been delayed by the shooting delays. And we talked about it a little bit when we talked early on about, you know, the problems that they had with, with shooting schedules. But, um, you know, they've, they've really completely 
rejiggered the whole interconnected uh, uh, limited series on Disney Plus leading to MCU film thing. It's just pretty much not happening, at least not the way it was originally envisioned. Is anything really quite what anybody envisioned right now? <laughs> not really. This is certainly true. I guess the, you know, when, as we go into December, um, you know, we're, we're still in December. We're still in the middle of December as we record this. So, um, you know, we have a limited universe of things to choose from, but there is actually some good news. So we had um, uh, reopening dates for Woody's Lunchbox, for Crystal Palace, uh, and, and Tomorrowland Terrace getting its annual, uh, you know, holiday reopening. Crystal Palace's menu looks really good and it's family style. Now it's like, you don't have to go up and get pasta and everything. They have the prime rib, the, um, fried chicken. There's a seafood option. Wow. The biscuits. Yeah. I was looking at crystal palace with food actually worth eating. Right. Exactly. And you don't have to deal with, I mean, I love the characters, but you don't have to deal with Eeyore and them coming around if you don't want. And, I was like thoroughly impressed with the menu. Like this is what I've been looking for for years. Yeah. Like the prime yeah. rib looked amazing. Magic kingdom. Isn't short of places to eat. There's shorter places to eat good food, good food. Right. <laughs> 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 like if you want to sit down at magic kingdom, you go on a ride, you don't go yep. eat. <laughs> well, and we did there's just, a in- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just said, there's a couple of places. Go ahead. So we we did get um, an an announcement for the first of those Marvel limited series. Um, We thought we were going to get Falcon and the Winter Soldier first. Turns out instead we're going to get uh, WandaVision first with um, WandaVision debuting on Disney Plus in the middle of January, January 15th. Um, And... Quite possibly the the most. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Before I get to that one, um, the walkway, the long anticipated walkway between Grand Floridian and Magic Kingdom, finally opened. Yes. yes. So you can essentially walk to all the resorts at Magic Kingdom resorts. At, uh, you know the Magic Kingdom resorts. Yeah, you can walk to all of them. It's a long ways to get around to Wilderness Lodge. Just saying, but yeah, you could. You can't, but I mean, I, yeah, but I mean, like literally you can leave the poly and you can walk all the way over to the contemporary and not go on a main road except for the crosswalk. You just yep. got to be careful not to get lost. <laughs> right. That's the other thing. Well, the poly to, you know, Grand Floridian's a little challenging, but yeah. Um, but, but you know, the, the bridge makes it possible. Um, but to that me, depends on how much you had to drink, Willie. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, now, so I might end up at Shades of Green again. <laughs> the the most exciting news I think that has come out in December though from Disney is the dis- the news that's actually the farthest down the road, um, and that is that maybe somewhat surprising given that uh, you know the the uh, got you know uh, uh, so much sort of turmoil in tourism and in transportation industries, but. Um, Disney and Brightline, which runs the train service there in Florida. Oh yeah. Um, announced that they're adding train service to Disney Springs. And basically 
as this network builds out, the the corridor they're talking about would run from um, the airport to Disney Springs, and the other side of that line is supposed to run from the airport to Miami. Um, and I believe it's supposed to be airport to Miami via Tampa. So it'll, it'll, yeah. So by the time this line is done, you'll be able to travel from Walt Disney world to, you know, half a dozen other prime Florida, uh, vacation spots without having to, to, you know, board another airplane or spend four hours driving or rent a car. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and those, yeah, those are high speed trains too. Yeah. And I'm wondering also, will that change Disney's ports over into Tampa? Ooh, good question. Well, I know it can't change them for at least a couple of years because right, but they've got commitments to Port Canaveral, Port Canaveral. and they, they own that terminal. So right that's a pretty strong incentive to stay there. Um, but, you know, I think that, that, there's every reason to believe that they'll continue expanding the line and that they'll get that line down to Port Canaveral eventually. Um, and frankly, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that wasn't part of, you know, Disney agreeing to bring the line into Disney Springs is an agreement on their end to build out down to, to Port Canaveral. Um, what it does do is impact, you know, we've talked about in previous shows, the potential for expanding the, the Skyliner. Um, you know, it seems to me that this only highlights that the the most likely expansion of the Skyliner out it, to Port Canaveral. No, <laughs> no. I think I would get I think I would get motion sick from that. Yeah, uh, that's a long ride. Um, no, no, no. But but uh, you know, it will be Disney Springs and that spur, right? Because once you have that, you've got continuous transportation from the airport to uh, your your Walt Disney World hotels. And if you're doing a land and sea or sea and land, you know, going back and forth between uh, a resort hotel and, and Port Canaveral, wow, how easy is that? Because they, they're going to take your luggage for you. All you got to do is just get yourself over to Disney Springs, hop the train, and bam, yep. you're out there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's going to kill kill their business for bus, you know, because they make a fortune on the buses driving back and forth. But they'll just... Yeah. They'll they'll have a custom train transfer where they handle your luggage and you buy right. the ticket from them. Be, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because maybe, it also maybe means, not. And, and it also means they don't have to pay for those buses, right? I mean, yeah, those That's buses true. were expensive, but they had to run that whole system. And they yeah, had to pay only, the drivers and everything else. Yeah, the train is only. how many cars long? Like as many as you want, right? <laughs> and my only problem with the bus is that you. You don't know until the day before what time they're going to get there. It's and, the worst. Yeah, and if if you're you know if you're wanting to get there right at uh, port opening time, you're not guaranteed anything. Uh, no, we got picked up at Coronado at eleven thirty. Well, yeah, no, right? let's, let's let's not let's not get down this road too much because we really okay. don't know what anything about what that bright line schedule is going to look like, and that might right. not be any better because everybody's going to get there all at once. Um, We're all but, chasing rabbits. Sorry, it's okay. Um, but it's still to me really exciting news just because it means that, you know, to me, it, it, um, 
gives us an idea of what the path forward in terms of the big picture, you know, transportation situation around Walt Disney World is going to look like. And I think once we get to the other side of this pandemic, what we're going to see is a renewed, you know, push away from cars again. Yes, big time. They're, they're going to try to do as much as they can to be environmentally safe. You know, a, a train brings in 7,000 people or a car brings in four. Like, right. Yes, right. it's environmentally Even though it's socially Disney conscious. Springs, Disney Springs, they just built another garage. So, hey. All right, so what would it take to turn one of those into a train station, though? Nothing. Not a lot. Um. All right, well we've been we've been going on a long time and i think that that really pretty much covers the news there's some other bits that have have trickled out about um uh you know disney properties coming to to disney plus i i want to hold on to those because i think there's a whole nother show that we could do on that topic um but uh for now i think that you know maybe the way to close this is that that we go around and, and i'll have each of us pick your sort of Disney story of the year. And it doesn't have to necessarily be the best story. doesn't necessarily have to be the hugest story, but just your favorite uh, bit of, of Disney news from, from this past year, the one that you think is, is the most significant. Um, so uh, uh, Willie, what's, what's the big Walt Disney world story for you? I'm very excited to see. Disney really putting all their chips in for 2021 50th anniversary. And I see they're really looking at adding more and more now that we're getting onto the other side of the pandemic and trying to make it as big as they possibly can, even though 2020 has been an awful year. You can see that they're really trying to hold off, but still bring this 50th anniversary as big as they can as Walt would have wanted it to be. All right. So Willie's story is the the ramp up to sort of fall 2021 and, and a, a big 50th anniversary celebration. Uh, Tim, what's the big story for you? Well, Willie is, is forward looking and my, my stories normally are forward looking, but I'm going to look back and, and I think my favorite story out of coming out of 2020 is Disney's response to the pandemic and the way that they reopened uh, with the, you know, the very, they were very mindful about social distancing. They're mindful about something as simple as eating food while you're walking or eating food while you're in line. Those are no, no's. Um, They're, they're monitoring the masks. They've, they've taking, they've taken a lot of extra precautions for spacing in queue lines. Um, all those sorts of things. Uh, I feel like they really, uh, they did a, a bang up job. I mean, um, uh, they did everything I can think of to do, to make sure that people could come back to the parks and be safe about it. All right. Well, you guys have each chosen really good stories. Um, for me, really more than it's a, a single story, it is a pattern of stories and it is the, the pattern of Disney, pivoting its existing practices to accommodate a changed world. Um, the way that they were able to very quickly change the way that they handle, uh, you know, park admissions and, um, uh, 
ride, you know, attraction, everything from the queues to getting rid of fast pass because they couldn't manage it to, um, you know, staggered park time, park opening times, all those things to moving releases to Disney plus and, and sort of moving that system faster than was originally planned. All, all of those pivots to me were handled about as smoothly as they could possibly be handled. And each one of them represented a potential just face plant. And to oh, me, yeah. the big story is that there was no face plant, right? There, there was n- none of these decisions blew up on them. And that is a credit to, you know, a, a fan- I mean, that, that is fantastic pandemic response. You can't really ask for much more. Right. It's very agile, adaptive response to what happened. I mean, you, as you look back over this this podcast, you, know, you were talking. We're talking about how it was business as normal January, February, and all of a sudden everything had to come to a screeching halt. And the way, like you said, they took many different steps in many different departments. You're, I, I, I totally agree with you, Aaron. All right. Well, you know, you heard our takes, what we thought the important stories were. You just heard what we thought the biggest stories were. We'd love your feedback. What do you think? What did we get right? What did Willie and Tim get wrong? Tell us about it. <laughs> you can uh, come visit us Funny on guy. come visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at Podcast. You can send an email. Uh, you can send an email to the show at podcast at disdads.com. You can email me personally with all of your lovely thanks and praise at um, AJ Ritz, R-I-T-Z, at disdads.com. You could uh, email Tim individually at tim.hicks at fantasticmemoriestravel.com. And if you need to correct Willie's mistakes, you can email him at Willie at wickedmousetravel.com. That's W-I-L-L-I-E at wickedmousetravel.com. And, you know, if you've got a minute, the best holiday gift you could give us is to rate and review the show on, uh, you know, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Google, Spotify, wherever it is you're listening to the show, um, that boost when you rate and review the show really makes a big difference. It helps other people find the show, and we would very much appreciate that assistance. Um, Till next time, I've been your host, Aaron Ripmaster, wishing you a Happy New Year. And I'm here alongside my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. You know, I think what we need to do on New Year's Eve is uh, collectively at midnight, we're all going to flush the toilet on 2020 and welcome in 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. And Willie Crocker. Happy New Year, everyone, and hope to hear from you in 2021. And have a wicked wild night, guys.
play a damn I got to keep on I don't play a damn thing I man. got to keep on I don't play a damn I got to keep on I don't play a damn thing man Ooh, yeah You got to start over and do it all together cuz I can't edit it otherwise Uh-oh that's not good I don't-